ARE Study Guide Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the ARE Study Guide Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about structural systems. So structural systems is a really big topic. And in terms of my thinking, I see structures as two parts. One is the basic properties of structural materials. And two would be the structural calculations. They're both really big topics. So I'm going to break them down into two different episodes. So right now in this series of the ARE Study Guide podcast, we are talking about topics related to project planning and design. For that exam, we are going to just focus on the basic properties of structural systems. When we get to project development and documentation, we will dive deeper into the structural calculations for these systems. All right, so let's get started. So always, when you're preparing to take any of these exams, always look at the ARE 5.0 handbook and read the description of what NCARB tells you you need to know for your exam. So for project planning and design, the structural system section is objective 3.2. And what it says is that you need to determine structural systems. You will need to evaluate different structural systems based on their cost, availability, load capacity, and impact on the building design and configuration. Based on these factors, as well as building size and function, you need to select the appropriate structural system and layout for a building. And if you look in the handbook, this is the edition that was published in December 2020. On page 84, they have a sample structures question for this project planning and design exam. When you look at the problem, you'll see their example is a structural calculation, but it is a really basic problem that doesn't require knowing any special formulas. So take a look and make sure you could solve something like this. If not, check out some sample questions. Um, I know that uh, Elif's questions, sorry if I mispronounced your name, um, but she has questions at arequestions.com. And also Hyperfine Architecture has some sample questions. I'm sure, and I'm sure there's others. Um, so take a look. If you're unable to solve this problem, check out some sample questions. So also in the handbook, section four for project planning and design is the integration of systems. So objective 4.1 is determining the building's configuration based on a variety of things, including structural systems. This objective 4.1 is a huge part of the test. It says it's going to be about 10% of your test. And then objective 4.2 is going to be 10 to 14% of the test. And that's integrating building systems, which says consider how systems fit together. So when you're looking at structural systems, as we go through this, consider the systems in terms of their flexibility or their rigidity and how well different systems will integrate with other systems. It's exactly what it's saying. Always look at the handbook. What's it saying? That's what you need to know because those are the questions they are going to ask you. They are not hiding anything from you. 
let's talk about some basic properties of our structural systems. First up, we have wood. Wood is easy to work with, allows for really flexible designs in our buildings. Until recently, wood was very cheap. Wood is renewable and abundant. So with wood, we have dimensional lumber and composite products. So dimensional lumber is when you have a tree and you cut off a piece of wood to size, like a two by four, two by six, two by 10. That's dimensional lumber. When you have dimensional lumber, your maximum spans are going to be around 20 to 25 feet. When you have composite products, that's when you have smaller wood pieces glued or nailed together to make larger, stronger pieces. Glue lamb is a very common type of composite wood member. So glue lamb is when we take smaller pieces of wood and glue them together to make larger pieces of structural wood. Glue lamb is available in stock sizes, but it can also be custom made to make unique forms or just larger sized beams. With glue lamb, the spans are also typically 20 feet, but you can also do 60 feet or even 100 feet. With standard dimensional lumber, you're going to close the wood off inside the wall. But glue lamb is really pretty, so you might leave it exposed. So if you want exposed structural wood, glue lamb is a great choice. Glue lamb can qualify as heavy timber construction if the right sizes are specified. So with heavy timber construction, you're allowed to have exposed wood because if there's a fire in your building and it starts to burn the wood, these wood members are so thick that the outside of the wood will char, protecting the inside layer. That charred layer becomes fire resistant. So the same thing applies to glue loam. Glue loam is actually more fire resistant than steel. You can't leave steel exposed in your building without something like intumescent paint or a protective fire resistant layer on the steel, but you can leave glue loam exposed. So if you wanted an exposed structural system, glue loam is a great choice. LVL, laminated veneer lumber, are structural wood members made of thin wood veneer glued together. LVL is similar to glue lamb, but it's cheaper and less attractive. LVL will typically be hidden inside of our walls where glue lamb will be left exposed. CLT is cross-laminated timber, which is similar to glue lamb, but each layer of wood is laid perpendicular to the other to make it more rigid and more dimensionally stable than glue lamb. Wooden eye joists are similar to steel eye joists where if you took a cross section, it looks like an uppercase I. You can typically get a span of 8 to 24 feet with wooden eye joists. We use eye joists because they'll carry heavier loads than just standard dimensional lumber, and they're also less likely to bow. With dimensional lumber, we're going to have a lot of shrinking and swelling as there's more or less moisture in our building at different times of the year. Eye joists are less likely to shrink, and this can help prevent squeaky floors. Unlike glue lamp or our other composite wood products, eye joists are going to quickly fill up when exposed to fire because they're not thick enough to provide fire resistance. Structurally insulated panels, abbreviated SIP, are panels made from two structural layers of wood sandwiched between a piece of rigid foam. 
The structural layers are typically going to be OSB. Structurally insulated panels are strong, energy efficient, and are quicker to build with than traditional wood framing. For light wood construction, there are two primary types of framing methods. We have balloon framing and platform framing. Platform framing is the most common. Balloon framing is when you have continuous studs from the lower level to the second level or upper level. I, I don't know how tall a stud can be, but if you had a tall 20-foot stud go straight up and then in the middle you put the floor, that's balloon framing. Platform framing is when the studs only go from one floor to the next floor. Platform framing creates a natural fire block between each level. That's why we typically use platform framing now for fire protection. Because with balloon framing, you have continuous cavities all the way up your building. So if fire gets in that cavity, it'll shoot up and quickly ignite your entire building. All right, so recapping on wood real quick. Wood is relatively cheap, easy to work with, but it is not fire resistant unless you're using very thick wood members. The second structural system we're going to talk about is steel. Steel is versatile, readily available, strong in both compression and tension, and it weighs less than concrete. So the taller the building that you're creating, the more likely you're going to be to use steel because if you were trying to do a really tall building out of concrete, that building would be very heavy. Steel is non-combustible, but it will deform if it gets too hot. So even though it's non-combustible, it cannot be left exposed. It always needs to be protected with fire-resistant materials because it doesn't matter if it combusts, if it's deforming and bending, your building is going to collapse. If you want to have exposed steel without a fireproof coating, you're going to need deluge fire sprinklers in that area. A deluge fire sprinkler is going to rapidly release water on an area once the fire alarm is triggered and that will protect your steel. That is the only way that you're able to have exposed steel without a fireproof coating. Unprotected steel is subject to corrosion, so it will rust. Steel needs to be painted unless you specify corrosion-resistant steel. Steel is made of mostly iron, but then it will have extra elements such as carbon, copper, chromium, and nickel. By adjusting the amount of carbon that's in our steel, we can modify the strength and hardness of the steel. More carbon will also make steel more corrosion resistant. Too much carbon makes steel brittle. Steel can either be light gauge or heavy gauge. Light gauge is lightweight, dimensionally stable, easy to build with, molding decay resistant, and recyclable. Meaning, if you're going to demolish a building, you can take the steel from that building and take it to a recycling plant and they can reuse that steel to make more steel. Light gauge steel framing can typically have a span up to 40 feet. Light gauge steel is going to be common in commercial construction. Wood is going to be more common in residential construction. Light gauge steel is more common in commercial construction. Another type of steel construction is beam and girder. So beams and girders are both horizontal supports. Our vertical supports are columns. So beam and girders are both horizontal, 
but the larger beams are known as girders. The smaller beams that run perpendicular to the girders are known as beams. The large ones, girders, the small ones, beams. Beam and girder is a very economical method of construction. Open web steel joists, abbreviated OWSJ, is similar to beam and girder, except you're going to be using lightweight steel trusses. The openings in trusses make it easier to run ducts through, so if you have a lot of mechanical systems, you're going to want to use trusses. Anytime you have a beam system, you're going to have to think about how your mechanical, electrical, or plumbing is going to go through the beam. Using any sort of truss system is going to help alleviate that problem by giving you a place to easily run your MEP systems. The third type of structural system we're going to talk about is masonry. Types of masonry include brick, stone, CMU, which stands for concrete masonry unit. These are cinder blocks, also called CMU, and ICF, which are insulated concrete forms. Masonry systems are going to provide great thermal mass, which is great for passive energy savings. Masonry systems are thick, so it's going to provide great sound insulation. They're going to be strong in compression and poor in tension unless they're reinforced. They're durable, heavy, and suitable for mid or high-rise residential and low-rise commercial. With masonry systems, we need to have wheat poles placed along the lowest course. The course is the row along the lowest course every 24 inches on center. The final system we're going to talk about is concrete. Concrete is very strong, versatile, durable, and has a great thermal mass. Concrete is very strong in compression, but weak in tension. So we're going to always reinforce our concrete with steel if it's going to be used for any structural application. There are three ways to reinforce our concrete with steel. You can use rebar, which is just a steel bar that you place and before you pour the concrete, and that'll provide the tensile strength. You can pre-tension concrete, meaning that you have a high-strength cable placed in the form before the concrete is poured and tightened, and then the concrete is poured and the cables are released. Post-tensioning is when high-strength cables are placed in the form before the concrete's poured but they are not tightened until after the concrete is poured. Pre-tensioned concrete is what's typically used for precast concrete. Post-tensioned is usually done on site. Concrete is made of water, aggregate, and Portland cement. Aggregates are typically going to be about 70% of our total concrete mixture. Aggregates include sand, gravel, and crushed stone. If our concrete mixture has too much water, there will be too much moisture after it's cured. So before we apply any finished materials, we need to do a moisture test of the concrete. And there's a few types of moisture tests. One is the moisture dome test, which is a little test kit where you put a plastic dome over the concrete and you wait about three days and you can find out how much moisture was collected inside that dome. That's called a moisture dome test. 
There's also a test called the plastic sheet concrete moisture test. It's a simple test where you just tape down a piece of plastic over the concrete and observe how much moisture forms over the course of about 16 hours. If moisture does form, you know that you can't install your floors yet because that's too much moisture. And there's other tests, but in general, we can't have too much moisture and install our finishes on top of the concrete. There's lots of types of concrete systems. Uh, I'm not going to dive into all of these in this podcast episode because I think I would lose you. Um, You can check out my study guide or really any other um, resource you have that talks about structural systems will tell you the primary types of concrete systems. The only one I'm going to bring up is tilt-up. Tilt-up concrete is when you pour concrete panel on the ground and then you use a crane to lift it up into place. Tilt-up concrete is used for buildings that are one to four stories tall. This is really common for large warehouses and other just mass concrete buildings that are just really rectilinear and simple. Now, let's talk about how to select the right structural system for our project. The factors that we will need to consider are the building loads or the amount of weight that's going to be applied to our building, either by our occupants or external forces such as the weather and earthquakes, the building use. The type of building use is going to determine how big our volumes of space are and how long of a span we need our structural systems to meet other building systems and how a structural system may or may not work well with the building systems that we need, such as our electrical and mechanical systems. Cost. Some structural systems may be ideal for our building, but may be cost prohibitive for the project. The speed of construction. Depending on how much time you have to build the building, Some structural systems may or may not work. The fire resistance requirements. Based on the square footage of your building, the occupancy load, and the occupancy classification, the building code may or may not let you use a particular type of construction, which is primarily going to be wood. If you want to have a lot of occupants, you're probably not allowed to use wood. Soil conditions. If you have poor soil conditions, you're going to need to have a lighter building. If you have bad soil, you're probably not going to want a big, heavy concrete building to go on top of it. And the appearance that you want for your building. A structural system, particularly one that's left exposed, can have a huge impact on the aesthetics of your building. So for all of those elements, those are the things to consider if on your test it says which system should you use. Think about all of those things. So in general, if you want an exposed structure... Heavy timber or concrete are typical um, for concrete. Having like the exposed waffle slab, some people can think is a nice aesthetic. If you want reduced floor thickness, so if building height is an issue, you want to reduce the floor-to-floor height, you can use pre-cast, pre-stressed concrete, site-cast, two-way flat plate, post-tension concrete, or CLT, cross-laminated timber. If you have a lot of repetitive building members, prefabricated elements such as precast concrete could be really good. 
If you have a really irregular building form, wood framing, masonry, and site cast concrete can help you get a simple framing system to achieve an irregular shape. If you have a large span with few columns or walls for supports, you can use heavy wood trusses, glue lamp, space frames. If you want a building that's easy and quick to build, anything prefabricated is going to be a great way to go. I don't know if you've seen a prefabricated building go up, but it happens really quick. They make all the parts off-site, they just bring them and put them together. For a one- to two-story building, wood, heavy timber, and steel are going to be quick and easy to build. For a building that's four to 20 stories, precast concrete, steel, or cross-laminated timber. And for buildings that are 30 stories or more, steel or concrete. If you need a fire-resistant building, heavy timber or concrete. Okay, so that is an introduction to structural systems. There is so much more to know about the subject. You need to know project planning and design is figuring out how to select the right structural system for your project. So in our next test, project development and documentation, we're going to learn the details about putting these systems together. But for this test, understand the principles and properties of the systems to make the best decision for which one to use. In the ARE handbook, the reference matrix where they list all the books, um, it's crazy for this test. Don't at all try to read all of these books. Um, the ones that I would really recommend, though, to really understand structural systems, the Architect Studio Companion, Rules of Thumb for Preliminary Design, incredible book, very, very helpful for this test. Building Construction Illustrated by Francis Ching is going to be valuable for this test and project development and documentation. Fundamentals of Building Construction, Materials and Methods by Edward Allen and Joseph Iano. Um, sorry, Joseph, if I mispronounced your last name. Um, that book I had to read in school. It is crazy detailed, so it's just a great book to have on your desk as a reference in your own professional life, so I highly recommend getting that. Don't go crazy trying to study everything it says. I mean, it's going to tell you, like, the size of nails to use on your walls. You don't need to know that for your test, but when you're doing your details, it's pretty helpful. And another book on here, um, Olin's Construction Principles, Materials and Methods. I bet that's really great. I haven't read it yet, but I bet that would also be really helpful for this exam. And of course, you can check out my study guide. I have almost 70 pages all on structural systems. So you can see there's a lot. If I condensed what I read to 70 pages, there's a lot to learn. If you don't get my study guide, make sure you read at least one or two books. It's really important for project planning design and project development and documentation for sure. Next up, we are going to talk about acoustics. See you on the other side.